Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show and maybe even jump your story in the line or maybe even read stories with me or maybe you have a story you would like to read to me, head on over to Patreon at Lorehammer Listener Lore and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show. Enjoy. Recording in progress. Oh god, he's recording me! (laughs) Well, this is how we're starting this episode, I guess. Welcome to the show, Lorehammer Listener Alert, Dylan. Hello, friends. It is your friend, Dylan. I am Dylan, and I am here to do this. Hello, who are you? What am I doing here? I'm Mark, and this is the 40K podcast where we read short stories submitted by listeners. Listener lore. Ah, sweet. Um, I thought the name yeah. the way, but I guess. Ah, uh, man. Thanks for coming on my podcast, man. I've done so many of these episodes, <laughs> no. and like we've got some really great stories. And I know how famous you are. And I just thought you'd get you one for this one, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, what a hype, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, today we're reading a story submitted by Will, and it's called A Red Hand Weeps, Chapter 3. So we have done two chapters before. I highly recommend going back. They're some of my favorite. Uh, it's a Dark Eldar story. It's a murder yeah. mystery. It's cool. It's like it's taken us a couple different places. It's got some good character development. But most like uh, stands out the most is just kind of the quality of writing. This guy is yeah. clearly quite talented. Um, yeah. Thanks, Will. This is quite cool. I recorded an episode earlier with him this week and uh, he was talking about this is kind of his first time writing stuff, but he's mm. a rare book collector and he specifically does like occult stuff or whatever and he sells it and trades in he's wheeling and dealing. so he's like yeah i'm always reading these like arcane books so i get a lot of these kind of like vibes when i'm finding it so yeah it clearly right. through into his writing yeah 100 you can feel that that's not surprising at all what did you read with him another uh, one it, of his stories yeah it was another dark eldar story not related <sighs> to this but it was pretty neat oh shit all right well let's go back to the flagship and see what we have a red hand weeps chapter three let's go A gong reverberated through the docking ring, heralding the return of the tower's ruler. Various landing platforms reached out like the petal of an enormous flower, waiting to accept the landing craft of dignitaries, guest, traitor, and in this case, the return of the Archon of the Red Hand. Slaves rushed back to the low entrances with pockmarks, which pockmarked the outer wall. The unexpected return of their lord, had left them with little time to properly prepare the platform for him. A carpet had been unfurled and braziers filled with the sweet burning herbs perfumed the air, the very minimum he would expect. Returning at great speed, a distant collection of specks grew rapidly. 
An armada raced toward the landing platform as it grew closer to the silhouette of a smaller Venom-supported craft that could be distinguished from the larger Razoring jet fighters. Helion skillfully piloted their skyboards in between the larger troop transports. Amid these weaving vehicles flew the Archon's own Tantalus, its vast sails running tight to supplement the power engines. The huge craft banked as it came into the land, turning with a whisper of anti-grav jets and setting into place. The vast sails rippled gently as they were furled, releasing the ever-flowing solar pulses. A gangplank unfurled, and with an audible thud, impacted heavily onto a thick purple carpet that was that the slaves had only just been able to unfurl in time. The length of the carpet would usually would be flanked by incubi, cabalite honor guards, holding back petitioners and lesser nobility, hoping to catch the Lord's attention. The sound of the gangplank would have been lost in the shouts and calls for attention, but now it echoed ominously across the near silent platform. Without the unusual announcement of the Lord's imminent return, only two small groups of Jakari waited to greet him. The only ones in the vast tower who knew the reason for his sudden return. On one side of the carpet, the court homunculus towered above his, his silent rack servants, swaying gently upon his bone spurs. On the other side, the court Laomirin stood with her selected handmaidens. The exhaust thrusts of the great landing crafts whirled and the colorful fabric of the sheer groans of their Downs. sheer gowns Down. about them. Gowns. Gowns about them like smoke. <laughs> A heavily armored boot struck out, uh, boot struck the game plank as the Archon chief bodyguard began to dismount. The Clavex Retan paused to study the scene before him, a blade held ready in each hand. Behind him, his loyal incubi lined the deck, imposing armored statues, faceless masks staring out in all directions. True-born Cabalite warriors, favorites of the Archon, scanned the skies with dark lances mounted on the higher decks of the Tantalus. Above them all, razor-wing jet fires circled as a mix of smaller craft hovered in place. A force that could have been raised a small imperial hive city served as the Lord's close personal, uh, close protection detail. The, the Clavex stepped onto the large, large carpet and paused. His armored head turned as he studied the environment. Discerning no immediate threat and satisf satisfied that it all was as it should be, he stepped, one, he stepped to one side of the gangplank. In response to some silent message, the incubi abroad mounted, dismounted rapidly. Taking up positions along the, along the carpet, they created an armored guard all the way from the Tantalus to the grand gateway of the landing platform until the Archon reached the compar comparative safety of the tower. Each of them was prepared to block any unforeseen attack with their own body. An armored Drakari emerged from a hollow field in which they had been sitting aboard the deck of the Tantalus. Until the figure had moved, he had been perfectly camouflaged by ancient technology. Armor plates slid like liquid mercury, perfectly fitted to the muscular form they encased. A thick fur and skin cloak held loosely from one shoulder. On the op opposite hip, a long dueling sword rested at his ornate scabbard. The length decorated with em embossed howling faces, each one a tribute to a defeated enemy caught in the moment of eternal suffering. The armor appeared black, but when it caught the light, it was shimmered with a dark fuchsia. Colorful shattered soul gems held by knotted wire hung decoratively from a wide teal sash belt. 
while ancient rings decorated slender, pale fingers. Jet, back, jet black hair was pulled back tightly, braided and bound in Eldari ribbon skin. A face kept young by the suffering of others was betrayed by the ancient eyes that studied the two groups of gathered Jakari before him. Blink, flint black eyes set in marble skin tone, or turned their gaze. Flint black eyes set in marble skin turned their gaze first upon the homunculus and then Lemurian. Both parties bowed deeply, all averting their eyes in submission as the Lord dismounted. Canningrax's spine, spine legs bent low, almost low enough to be allowed his atrophied legs to brush the floor. The Lord Archon strove purposely down the gangplank. Without the slightest acknowledgement of his waiting advisors and the servants he marched towards the entrance of the tower, Kenarak was forced to move at pace, even with the extended stride offered to him by his long bone limbs. Others were almost forced to jog to keep up with their lord as he moved with urgent but liquid grace. The entrance before them was guarded with uh, spirit profiling systems, as well as various murder holes. A combination of technology and armed guards covered every possible entrance, from the Grand Porcalus entrance with its flanking towers far below them to the tiny servant postern gates, which dotted the base of the tower and the vast interlinking walkways. Any stranger approaching would first have to deal with the Cabalite guards posted at each entrance. And while those guards had vulnerabilities, there were always arcane defenses, which did not. Where a guard might be taken out by a sniper, bribed to leave their post, or even tricked by a disguised enemy, the arcane defenses of the spirit profiles could not. Each profile was powered by a tortured soul of a spirit construct, defeated in combat with the Aldari cousins. They would detect the aurora of the soul, and if it were not one of the Red Hand Cabal, or specifically marked guests, then the interloper would find themselves spiritually ripped apart before they had made it through the entranceway. Only the most elite of the Cabal had the ability to mark outsiders for temporary admittance as the unfortunate guests of Earthside would have been so spiritually marked for the duration of their visit. That's pretty wild. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool defense mechanism. Yeah. The immortal system of vigilance served not only to keep others out, but also to keep some in. Mostly slaves would never leave this tower once they had entered in chains. The mad souls watched hungrily, constantly leached by she who, she who thirsts. They desperately waited for the opportunities to replenish their ever-weakening spirits. In times of prolonged peace, the caretakers, caretakers of the tower would feed elderly or weak slaves to the vampiric spirits constructs to keep them alive. <laughs> it's like a pet. For <laughs> yeah. now, the ever-vigilant spirits stayed silent. Murder holes remained closed. The guards bowed as their lord marched through the entrance into his tower. Kinneric had expected them to be led by a vast council chamber so his lord could gather his most trusted advisors, but he quickly realized that they instead being led directly to the scene of the crime, the daughter's chambers. The court among us could feel the tensions in the lord's wake as they marched through the corridors, so thick it felt as if they were walking through a miasma. <clears throat> Once again, the sound of bone tips echoed up the staircase to the landing above. However, this time they were accompanied by the iron thud of armored boots and the silk hiss of flowing gowns. Their arrival was greeted by silent incubi, still standing where they had been left to guard the crime scene. 
a vast improvement over the negligent the Kabbalite guards who still awaited torture cells far below, buried in the tower's foundations. The Archon stood before the doors of the inner chamber, a bejeweled hand resting upon the ornate hilt of his sword as he inspected the scene before him. A, tinker, a finger tapped gently, like a metronome, beating out of tense, constant rhythm. The Homoculus's message, which had summoned back the Lord Archon, had been quite detailed about the situation that awaited his return. Bodies still littered the chamber within. Only the Archon's daughter had been removed. All other corpses awaited collection by their own cabals, and only once the Lord Archon decided to inform them of the deaths. For now, the decaying bodies formed a grisly backdrop to the Archon's pondering. <laughs> it's a pretty cool scene. Um, the bodies must be returned without the softness. Oh, I should softness in his voice. The bodies must be returned without the softness of his voice betrayed nothing of the rage he surely felt. He took a breath before biting out the next word. Apologies. Have each one cleaned, wrapped in honor veils, and delivered with 400 slaves to serve as suffering tribute to hasten their reincarnations. The Archon paused for a moment before sighing, this destruction will be costly, an echo for many cycles. When my daughter is returned to me, I shall be having words with her about the cost of such frivolites. My Lord, Kanrick braced himself to deliver news of his recent discovery. The insolment has failed. The steady tapping of the finger on the sword hilt abruptly stopped. My daughter is dead. You have anger rose with each enunciated syllable. Failed me. No, no, my lord, Kanrick responded quickly. I have been unable to return your daughter's soul to her body because it is, I mean to say, she is missing. What? came the roaring reply. For the first time in many long cycles, Kanrick flinched. Not since his betrayal of his old coven had he so clearly stood up upon a razor's edge. The Archon's shoulders trembled and his knuckles went white as he gripped the ornate hilt. With a visible effort, the Archon controlled himself, relaxing the muscles of his neck and turning to face the homunculus. Explain yourself! Cold black eyes fixed Kanrick as the homunculus began to explain. Starting with the state of the body, the discovery of the missing fingertip, and finally the absence of any sign of the daughter's soul. The steps I have taken are the same. I have successfully taken a thousand times before my lord, Conrad concluded, but your daughter's soul is just not there. During the explanation, the Archon had slowly walked forward until he stood just in front of his homunculus. And what could cause that? Conrad swallowed and forced himself to meet the cold black eyes of his liege. He could not feel the hot exhalation. He could not feel the hot exhalation of his lord's rage upon his own parchment-thin skin. He could feel, no, not could not. Um, in, the ex in my experience, only a few things, my lord. Death by use of a soul-erasing weapon or some forbidden warp craft, of which there is no sign upon the body or in the ether. A prolonged delay between death and corpse cloning, causing the soul to be swept away upon the tides of the Empyrean, which has not happened. The final possibility, and I believe this to be the case, my lord, is that the resurrection has already begun. What? A brief flash of surprise crossed the Archon's face. A missing fingertip has been amputated. 
a common thing before a raid. Indeed, even you, my lord, have left such just such a token in my care while raiding in real space that I might clone you a new body if you were needed. However, the fingertip had not been given into my care. Your daughter left nothing with myself or any of my underlings. I suspect that the digit was removed and smuggled out of the, your tower during the time between her murder and its discovery a body was cloned. There is, uh, that is where your daughter's soul is right now, trapped within this new, still-growing body. If your suspicions are true, then how could she allow herself to be tricked in this way? My lord, perhaps it is not a matter of trickery. Helpless within the ethereal, she may have been too disorientated to respond to a call, which she may have thought came from me, especially if she sensed her own cloned form. I suspect this was actually an audacious kidnap, not a simple murder. We are not supposed to have secret rights, codes and commands, which would, are we not supposed to have secret rights, codes and commands, which would allow us to recognize a legitimate invocation, even in such a state? We do, my lord. And I am at a loss to understand how she failed to check. Perhaps the manner of her death was a more, more disorientating than we know? The Archon raised an eyebrow, unconvinced. How do you know that she is not simply dead, killed by some warpcraft or a soul-killing weapon beyond your knowledge? How was she killed in the first place? With a silk step, the court Lemayan moved towards the two. The scent of a subtle, poisonous perfume enveloped th them both. The Archon turned away, breaking eye contact at last with the homunculus as he turned to face her. Conric released a breath he did not know he had been holding. Hold up, is it your turn? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's your turn. You have something to contribute, Alessandra? My lord, the Himalayan curtsied. I believe I can assure you that your daughter's soul was not destroyed. And why can you do that? Because I know how she died, she stated simply. My handmaidens finished running toxology on samples taken from one of the corpses to confirm what I suspected. Behind her, one of the handmaidens approached, head bowed, and hand handed a scroll to her mistress. Your daughter's cause of death was the same of that as a guess. I had thought that it would take some days to narrow down the list of possible substances. I suspected that it would not have I suspected that it would have been some rare exotic poison to bypass the immunities that your daughter has developed under my care. However, to my surprise, I thought I recognized it in the moment I tasted the residue oozing from the victims. I was able to confirm my suspicions after further testing. Alessandra unrolled the scroll and offered it to her lord. It was a silver scale. Da, da, da. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. The Archon's chief bodyguard, Retan, took a half step forward. Kenrick tensed his subdermal needer blades, ready to strike out. Both recognized the name of the, that poison. I know your poisons, Alessandria, and I remember that one with your particular fondness. The Lord Archon's tone was calm, causing some of the tension to diminish. 
You created it for me during my conflict with the cabal of the Iron Dagger. It amused me that you made the color match that of their armor. However, I believe you also provided it to me regularly in my cocktail of poisons to maintain my immunity. I do indeed, my lord, Osariandra replied, reassured by her lord's measured reaction. And it was provided to your daughter as well. I find myself at a loss to understand how she could have died to something she was immune to. Perhaps, Kinrek interrupted snidely, detecting a weakness in her argument. You failed to maintain her immunity. Perhaps you changed her dose. Perhaps you're lying. Alessandra snarled at the homunculus as her anger broke through the calm demeanor and the rare show of emotion. Perhaps we can ask ourselves. Oh, I forgot. You have been unable to resurrect her. Silence, snapped the Archon. You can bicker when, when this matter is resolved. The homunculus scowled but held his tongue. The Lemurian's rare flash, flash of emotion told him that she knew she was in real danger, despite the Lord's deceptively calm tone. Asalandria. The Archon continued, putting aside for the moment how, can, how you clearly failed in your responsibility to maintain my daughter's immunities. How could someone synthesize your silver scale to use against us? My lord, the Lemurian sank to her knees in supplication. Her handmaidens followed her lead and sinking to the floor in a circle some way behind her. I do not know. The method for creating silver scale is only known to me. If someone had access to a significant quantity of active silver scale, they might be able to reverse engineer it enough to create their own. However, apart from the minute amounts provided to you and your daughter, the only time it has been produced in quantity was when it was used to devastate the iron daggers during your war. I only maintain a small amount to serve as a catalyst, but that is secure in my, and I have my handmaidens confirm the quantities. None is missing. My lord, only you, your daughter, and I have enough access to the pure form needed to distill and replicate it. For long seconds, the Archon drummed his fingers on the ornate hilt of his sword. He was used to this admission of failure, and even less used to allowing those failed him to survive. Having two of his closest survivors both failing in the duties was unprecedented. <laughs> Can I finish it up? Yep. Either of you have failed me, or you have betrayed me. The Archon was not questioning, but rather stating his interpretation of the facts presented. He began to pace. If Convict's suspicions are correct, then this is a kidnapping, not a murder. For that to occur, my daughter's fingertip must have been amputated and smuggled out of my tower to grow a clone. This person would have to survive a poison lethal to all but three people, one of whom should have been my daughter. Another would have been you, Aliasandar. They were all killed with a poison which was originally created by my own Lamian and which could only be produced in sufficient quantities if they had access to a pure strain of silver scale, which again, only three people do, myself, my daughter, and once again, you, Aliasandar. The Archon paused for a moment to look down at the kneeling Lamian before continuing his insistent pacing. They then amputated their her fingertip and managed to open these vast doors, which were still locked before they were overridden by my own homunculus. Even if all of this had been achieved, they would have had to make it past the guards who occupied the landing. Then they would sneak through my vast tower and escape unseen and unnoticed by the spirit profilers. 
Whoever did this could not have achieved such a thing without significant support from someone with an intimate knowledge of my tower. The Archon's body shimmered as the illusion collapsed. <sighs> where a moment before he had been, uh, where a moment before he had clearly been pacing and talking aloud, now there was only a kaleidoscope of escaping color. The Archon suddenly appeared amid the still kneeling handmaidens, blade drawn. How long he had been standing there, perfectly camouflaged, none could say. With a, p- a perfect twist, he spun, slicing through the necks of all six of the kneeling Dukara Jukara maidens. Oh, shit! <laughs> Their toxic blood hissed where it hit the stone and sizzled on his armored boots. The corpses stayed kneeling for a moment longer before each slid and collapsed, sprawling across the floor, unfurling flower petals of death. Aliasandra stayed kneeling, her back to the headless remains of her most loyal servants as they pumped an arteral spray of toxic blood out onto the stone floor. Make a pissing blood sound, go. Yeah, that's their heads. That's the, that's the sound of the left. Uh, he, <laughs> she remained perfectly still as the heaviest step of the Archon approached her from behind. The tip of the still wet blade cut through the sheer fabric of her dress, a shallow cut leaving a line of poisonous blood trailing along the length of her spine. Her gown fell away, piling gently about her on the floor. Yeah, Yeah, boy, yeah, boy. Poisoned titties. Have you betrayed (laughs) me, my most trusted Lamean? No, my lord, came the calm reply. She knew this had been coming since her lord had named her in his deduction. She had watched this happen before and knew that to interp- interrupt this, his process with claims of innocence was an invite to swift, certain death. Her only hope was to stay calm and allow her lord to reach his own conclusion. The sword moved to the rest of her shoulder, the blade pressing against the side of her neck. She did not flinch, although she did close her eyes, waiting. The blade remained still. Cold, flint black eyes studied her back before slowly rising to meet Conric's glaze. Here you say it. And what about you, my loyal homunculus? Have you betrayed me? And that's it. That's the end. That's it. That's the end. Okay, uh, fucking sweet. Shit. All right. So the Archon did it. The Archon killed his own daughter. <laughs> that's my call no, right now. He was away, Dylan. He nah, was dude. away. Nah, he's got ways. He did it. He's fucking, <laughs> I know, some what bullshit. I know. Nah, he's totally the dad. For some reason, it feels like he was the only one that had access to the poison. Um, he might have some political reasons why he wants to get rid of his daughter. Um, I don't know. It just feels suspicious to me. There's no other villain characters that have been introduced. I mean, maybe it's one of the maidens. I don't know. Yeah. Like, he talks about that iron dagger cabal and maybe they're mm-hmm. doing some type of fuckery, but like how they still need that inside man, you know? Yeah, exactly. Who else yeah. has access to his tower and to get through the spirit gods and to yeah. do, do all the fucking rest of it. Let's talk about those things for a quick second. Those spirit guards. Um, such a cool concept. I wonder if you could like drown them out with like, uh, like overwhelm them with bodies. Like if you just took like a thousand guys mm. and rushed them through, if you could then get through. Um, I don't think so. I feel like they would rejoice in the fact that they're just getting this influx of, of a meal. Effectively. Yeah. Cause it seems like they're the cut- thing? Yeah. Yeah. It feels like they're replenished by like, you know, tearing people's souls apart. It feels very dark elder. Um, yeah. But is yeah, that, so is that more- cat? Mm. 
So the more you throw at it, probably the stronger these things get even. Yeah, theoretically. I mean, they have to feed them, right? If they go yeah. a while without it food, they feed elders to them. Yeah. So that, that would imply. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are those, are those, is that canon or is that just his world building? I don't think that's canon, but, yep. you know, I, I like that he tied it in like kind of, we have this ability with soul stones to use kind of things. So I think, yeah. it, I think it fits nicely. I agree. You know, that it is it is good world building. And again, we get a lot of good descriptions, like a good of uh, like he's very good at expressing the detail of both the characters and the world that's around them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, finally, yeah. we get uh, more dialogue, the most dialogue we've gotten so far in his stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was pretty good kind of questioning back and forth between a couple. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that he kills all the maidens. All the <laughs> um, like. Obviously, he wants to blame someone. He's going to point the finger somewhere, right? And so <laughs> maybe he just did it to make himself feel better. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. You can do that kind of stuff when you're a gangster icon. <laughs> you <laughs> fucking gangster icon. Yeah. This guy's thug as shit. <laughs> um, yeah, Silver Scale. Was that referred to in a previous story? I forgot. I don't uh, think so. It might be one of his own creations. He, has, he comes up with a lot of really cool... Um, kind of his own things that really fit in his other story he came up with this term i forgot what it was called but basically it was an investigator who it's a dark eldar investigator who goes around and he just like solves crimes and murder mysteries i guess or that is super cool but he had like one word and with that one descriptive word that's not even 40k you he painted the whole picture of this guy it was perfect interesting like yeah. a dark elder eisenhorn kind of deal yeah it was pretty sweet that's pretty um, sick yeah, great story. I, I'm really enjoying getting uh, a more interesting look, a more world-building look at Dark Eldar, you know, like in character, mm. close up. Yeah, the first-person perspective is nice. Also, yeah. like, there is, a, there is a plot that is developing, whereas, yeah, like, yeah. The, sh- the first stories were kind of all set up, um, yeah. whereas, like, things are happening and people are reacting to it. And, um, yeah. you know, obviously the Archon is pretty pissed. Um, and who killed the daughter? I like that, you know she they can't re- re- reanimate her they can't resurrect her um, oh yeah the whole uh, like finger stealing that's yeah so yeah cool yeah yeah uh which is cool like that's that's the the puzzle they're trying to solve yeah uh, like, this you know, isn't a murder yeah this is yeah. a kidnapping <laughs> it's interesting it's interesting i'm curious to know like how it's going to twist and and if there's going to be any other characters kind of introduced yeah um yeah great job will great you job. did it mate fucking yeah. awesome be encouraged and inspired to write up stuff part four. Yeah, honestly, like you've, you just keep going. You, this is great practice. Like we get to showcase this. It's, it's just impressive, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope everyone enjoyed it. I uh, just started writing a first person story for the first time ever. Um, Cause yeah. Oh, like, shit. Yeah. After hearing this guy could write it, this was his first time. Then I put pen to paper. It's like the boy jumped. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, Okay, that's all the words I pretty much know. <laughs> I'm going to start a podcast and it's just Mark's listener law and it's just your story. So yeah. I'm going to bring you on once a week. Story for put, kindergarten children. Pump out a story a week and then uh, I'll bring you on. <laughs> yeah, no, it's my cool. Goal, my goal is to, for the 100th, ep- 100th episode, have something that I've written to be able to share an actual story. So That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, like you the- read it. Mm. No, sorry. Uh, you've read enough of these it kind of makes sense that those uh cogs would start turning for you to kind of an idea of what you'd like to write yeah and how to start putting together a story and stuff and like even this guy you can tell he how he's laying it out you know he's 
did some world building. Now he's introduced all the characters and now he's getting into who did it, who done it, you know? Yeah. And it's just interesting watching. You learn so much just, you know, doing it. So. Which is awesome. Yeah, it's this big who done it, which is kind of cool. <laughs> it's a murder mystery or a kidnap cool. mystery, an elder mystery. I don't know. Perfect. Well, that's all for this episode of Lorehammer Listen Alert. If you enjoyed the content, don't forget to go to Patreon or there's a link in the description. You can throw me a one-time donation. Any money helps. Um, I have six chickens, three cats, and two dogs to feed. So help support the cause. Uh, and every now and again, I, I like to feed Dylan too. <laughs> Doesn't you happen feed me often. with 40k sustenance that yeah. I solely need in my life. <laughs> cool. Well, Dylan, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me on my podcast. Uh, hopefully, oh, yeah, you'll come yeah. back next week. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate it, man. It's really Thank great. You. Thank you. Well, yeah, the check's in the mail. <laughs> Sweet. See you guys all later on the next episode. Thanks for listening. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page and support the show at Lorehammer Listener Lore. See you next episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.